Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, Dungeonistas, and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And if you're not already subscribed, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but go and subscribe so you can get this podcast and all the previous ones, and most importantly, the future ones delivered directly to your device. As always, find us on Twitter. I'm at Jay Beardmore. This podcast is at The Rugby Dungeon and, of course, as the world's biggest rugby podcast. The podcast does not stop for the festive period. It just plows on regardless the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. Thank you to everyone that's listened. Uh, this month, we've had 250,000 downloads alone, which is quite staggering. So thank you to everyone. And if you're not listening to that, go and download it now because I think you will definitely enjoy it. If you like this, you should definitely like that. Um... Today's guest is Dom Waldock. Dom is a fascinating guy. He's played all all over the world. And with the news this week of pro rugby going under or ceasing to exist or whatever terminology that they're using, he's a pretty timely guy to get on. So he's got a few views on that. You'll also be pleased to know that over the festive period, I've not used the time to roast chestnuts or sing carols. I've actually been out and about. So I've taken a few days worth of annual leave from my actual day job and I've uh, been down to Sale Sharks. I've got an interview with Paul Deacon and Mike Forshaw, their defence and attack coaches respectively. That is going to go on Facebook at some point, so have a look on there for the, on the Rugby Dungeon for that interview. And I've also been over to Canterbury to understand the science behind making kits, and that's a fascinating interview. That will be out as a supplementary Rugby Dungeon, uh, and probably out towards the end of next week, so keep your eyes peeled for that one, or ears peeled, or whatever, the, whatever you want to keep peeled, keep it peeled for that podcast. Now, without waiting any further, here is my interview with Don Waldock. Hope you enjoy it. Well, I'm delighted to be joined by high fashion expert and all-round good-looking chap, Dominic Waldock. How are you, Dom? I'm very well, thanks. So, what have you been up to today? Actually, before you answer that, we're recording a little later today, so your training sessions must have been moved back. Um, what's the line aid of? Yeah, we're just... Um, <clears throat> training's... Uh, been yeah, we've just been going on doing the hard graft at training. It's finished a bit later the last few days, so hence the reason why I've had to delay this. Ah, okay. Well, I guess what we should do is we'll come back to Newcastle in a minute because the breaking news of yesterday was the American Pro League has ceased yeah. to exist. So, what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously very disappointing because it was it was a great opportunity for uh, for rugby to grow in America and um, I think that the country's got huge potential in the sport and I think 
you know, I think that we the league made huge strides in its inaugural season. Um, unfortunately, it's facing some huge challenges at the moment, and obviously the boys have been issued their um, their termination the termination clause in their contracts have been activated, and so there's a few guys, um, you know, in terms of money coming in this month is, is obviously very uncertain and. Yeah. So it's a shame on, on a number of levels. Um, from a personal point of view, I had a brilliant time over there. Um, I've experienced some of the issues that some of the other guys are experiencing in terms of not being paid and stuff. But uh, I think overall it was, you know, I thoroughly enjoyed my experience there. And, you know, I really hope they can resolve these issues at least. Mm. You know, if it's not going to go on with pro rugby, then at least, you know, I really think, there needs to be a professional league in in the United States. Yeah, I com- yeah, I completely agree. One of the things about the news that came out yesterday is it did sound a little bit political. When you were over there playing, did you ever get a sense of that? I didn't. I didn't. As, as I understand it, the stuff I've read, um, the discrepancy lies within the, the exclusivity agreement signed between Pro and and USA Rugby, and I don't know if they are considering sanctioning other another Pro competition in in the country. Um, but as I understand it, that's where the uh, dispute lies at the moment. Uh. I, think I think it's been quite well documented. Like you know, other players have had issues. I know Mills Malone has come out and talked about the money he's owed and stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm owed some money as well. But it's um, yeah, it's 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 just a, it's a challenging time now. I don't know. I just hope it gets resolved. Really. Yeah, how did you find your way out there? So I heard, <clears throat> I heard news about the, the the potential of the league, and then I wasn't having the best year at Irish last year. So mm. I asked uh, Rob Burgess, my agent at the time, to sort of look into the opportunity there, and went from there really. And then I, um, you know, then got the visa position started, and then I was out there in a, in a couple of months. That's cool. So I mean. The majority of your career has been spent in UK clubs. So how did you find li- living in the United States? I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I think it's brilliant. Um, you know, from, from, from a rugby perspective, and also from a lifestyle perspective, to live in the States. I've been on the holiday there a few times and really enjoyed myself. And it was great to sort of get that experience whilst, um, you know, whilst playing rugby as well. Yeah. So, um, so that was that was fantastic. Uh, it makes a big difference waking up every day and it being blue sky and, and hot. So, so it was good. Were you up in Ohio? Am I right there? Yeah, I was up, up in Ohio. So we were sort of like the most eastern team, and that that was another one of the challenges of the league was because it's such a huge country. It mm. was the travel aspect of it. Um, so we were the furthest east, so we we would be travelling to every other week across the country, more or less. Um, but you know it was it was it was great fun, and I think it was a good good bunch of guys who who got together and were willing to you know were really in, really enjoyed that experience of playing professional rugby. Yeah, I bet. Um, I, I mean, I guess you were the, probably the most seasoned professional there with your previous experience. Were they leaning on you quite a lot for things like training tips and you know just basically how how things are done? Yeah, I think um, the foreign guys had a responsibility not only on the pitch but also uh, leading in terms of showing guys uh, how to be professional rugby players and 
what what that sort of lifestyle and what that involves um, on a on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I think a lot of the foreign guys got involved in, in in helping out the coaching and imparting ideas and stuff like that. So, and I, and I really enjoyed that aspect of of the of the role there. I really enjoyed that. Do you think uh, coaching might be something you pursue in the future? Uh, potentially, like I've already enjoyed, always enjoyed it, and um, I've always enjoyed the sort of that analysis part of the game, and um, you know, invested a lot of time in it throughout my career. So, I think um, you know, coaching it could be a potential career post rugby, certainly. Now, uh, were you part of the Irish team that went to the Saracens game in New York? Unfortunately not, no, I wasn't there. No. But you were, were you Irish at the time? I was, I was there, yeah, but I, I didn't, I didn't get picked for that game, so I was uh, unfortunately. Now I've got a couple of little birds that I uh, chatted to before giving you a call today, and apparently it wasn't always rugby for you. You were a very successful cricketer and uh, might have gone into football. Um, yeah, well, I know it was. I think when, I, well, when we're all kids, we play a bit of everything, and. Um, you know, I played a lot of football. I played all sports growing up, and mm. um, you know, uh, like you like you mentioned there, did did quite well in in cricket and football. Um, I think it was more between um, cricket and rugby, to be honest. In the end, um, I had to. You have to give up if you want to go with football. You have to give everything else up yeah. so young, and I've never really wanted to do that. And um, I don't know if I ever had the ability to make it at the top level in football anyway but I'm quite glad the path I've I've taken to be honest yeah I was I was thinking about your your career earlier on today and like one of the first times that I saw you play was that season at Wasps when you went to the I, th- I think you ended up in 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 a Heineken Cup final yeah yeah uh, as I had Matt Gitter on a few weeks ago and he told me an interesting story he's like well you know, the biggest game that I had played in was something like 1,500 people in you know, regional grand final. Uh, yeah. And then his debut was at Twickenham. Uh, and he came on as a replacement. I kind of thought, like, that's almost exactly what happened to you. You were, what, 19? And yeah. then at the end of the year, you're playing in, in Heineken Cup. Yeah, no, it was, that was a pretty crazy year. My, my rookie year was, um, you know, you just come out of school hoping to sort of consolidate yourself as a, as a player and get to understand what being a professional rugby player is about. And then by the end of the year, um, I was playing in a Heineken Cup final, which was an incredible experience. Um, and, you know, and I, we was both, it was myself and Danny and Jane Hask, you mentioned earlier, and Reese, we were all young lads and we were coming into, the, we were so lucky coming to, into such a incredible WASP team and, and um, experiencing those brilliant um brilliant games and brilliant um, days off the back of that. Yeah, that Wasps Academy at the time, or whatever they were doing there, must have been quite something. You had yourself, you had uh, Haskell, Sippers, all still playing at a high level now. And of course, there was Tom Reese, who I think in a different era, with a little bit more luck with injuries, could have been one of the greats. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Reese would have captained England for a number of years and he was a fantastic player and a great man as well and you know was cruelly robbed of a of a longer career because of injury but I think the you know off the back of that you also got Joe Simpson who's the same age as myself and Danny and oh what was Joe in the same kind of 
Yeah, he he came he came through slightly later, but has obviously gone on to do great things at Wasps. Oh, and, I didn't realise that. Yeah, so we we all actually played you know youth rugby against each other, myself, Danny, and and Joe. Um, me, Joe, and me and Joe played on the same team, and then Danny was uh, playing for Roslyn Park. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> I think I think it's got a lot to do with the, the the coaches that were there. I think Alan Powell and Rob Smith, um, in terms of identifying talent, and um, Alan Powell did huge, huge, brilliant work with all of us. Um, used to come to my school like a couple of week, days a week and do some skill work, do kicking practice, and make sure I was getting the right conditioning so that <clears throat> when I when I went professional, I was in a physical position to to deal with uh, with Premiership and Heineken Rugby, and you know that really that meant that I could kick on in that first year and and push on. And like, like you said, playing that Heineken final at the end of the year. Now, I mentioned before some of the names that have also come through the Wasps Academy with you. Was that the first time you'd met those boys or had you had some sort of contact with them before meeting them at Wasps? Yeah, well, well me and Danny have known each other for years because his, his dad actually took, um, uh, was my swimming teacher when I was about eight. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, so I used to... we. I met him at Acton Swimming Baths when we were about eight years old. <laughs> or something. So, yeah. So, so how? Go on. But then, in terms of playing, like we always played against each other, and we were like sort of rivals up until about fifteen, and then we started playing to get each other. We got introduced. We were in the same academy at Wasps, and then we started playing um, <coughs> schoolboy representative stuff together as well. Yeah, and that's when we, um, you know, first started playing together properly. But then, in terms of James, it was, it, you know, I think, think. Myself and Dan might still be at school. We might have played a bit of A-League with, with Hask. Mm. Um, uh, I think we you know, we won the A-League a couple of times around that period as well. So, yeah, that's probably the first time we all played together. Uh, <coughs> tell, tell me this. Why, why are you called the Duke? It's because... Uh, so, Sean Edwards used to call me Don Wild Duke. <laughs> 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 with his Wigan accent and then... If um, it'd be like Don Wildu, what are you doing here, mate? And uh, <laughs> I made some sort of defensive error, and then it just it sort of went from there, really. <laughs> yeah, we, we had um, we had a player at Broughton Park called uh, Owen, and the coach couldn't actually pronounce Owen uh, for some whatever reason it was, and called him Ah Wayne. So from that <laughs> from that point on, it was always Wayne. Yeah, that's it. Well, that's a similar story to mine. Uh, so, how are you finding life up in up in Falcons? Yeah, I love it up here. It's um, you know, it's a really great city. It's a great club, um, real family club, and some you know great guys here. And uh, you know, I'm really enjoying my time at the moment. Well, that's good to hear, and I think it is starting to show on the field as well because this Newcastle attack is probably about as good as it's been in the last five or five or six years. Now, Dave Wald is getting an awful lot of credit for this, and rightly so. Can you just tell me a bit about him, please? Yeah, I, I, so I played with Dave when I was at Wasps and, um, you know, having played with him, I knew he'd be a great coach and I think you know, he certainly delivered on that. Um, he, you know, understands the game well. He wants, you know, the guys to be brave and to go and score points um, and he's very good at highlighting areas, uh, sort of potential weaknesses in opposition defences and I think that's a, you know, it's a cocktail for a successful def- uh, attack coach. Well, Mixon's like you've been paired up with Juan Pablo Cicino as well. I think he, you know, 
if you had to do a premiership team of the season, he wouldn't be far off wearing the 12 shirt. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, and he's in a particularly rich vein of form at the moment, um, Juan. You know, he's, he's a very strong ball carrier. He's got great skills. He's got good understanding of the game. Um, you know, I think he's a top player, really top player. And I think, you know, if he was back in Argentina, he'd be probably playing more for the for the Pumas. But, you know, we're lucky to have him at the Falcons. Yeah, it's also good to see Falcons get a little bit more respect, a little bit more traction as the season goes on. I'm providing, you know, you two can continue to play together and get that understanding right. You're going to have a really formidable centre pairing. <laughs> Well, the, the number 12 is looking good, but... Um, <laughs> Very he, modest of you. Yeah, no, I just, you know, it's been, it's been, you know, after last year, I've just really enjoyed being part of a team again and um, and contributing to a team and I've just really enjoyed the rugby. And I think the way Dave's got us attacking and the way we're trying to play really, you know, um, you know, helps my game, suits my game. You know, we try and move the ball around, which is what I try and do as well, so... You know, I've just really enjoyed my time so far. Just taking this in a slightly different way, I was lucky enough to go and watch a team train the day, one of the premiership teams, and it was a, the media day, so I took the time to ask one of the journalists there who had been to pretty much every club in the country and watched every club train if this session was particularly intense or if anything is done differently in this session to any others. And to my surprise, he said, no, they're pretty much standard. So I was wondering, you've been in the league 10 years, or at least you've been a pro for over 10 years, I'd say. When's the last time you saw something as a player and thought, that is really novel, or that's completely new? Yeah, in terms of like a training? Yeah, uh, like whether it be a you know, line of running or an attack pattern or, or just anything. Yeah, I think, um, I, think, I think the way we train is, is indicative of how the game's changing. I think it's... Um, it's very intense, um, very <coughs> uh, high speed, um, lots of changes of um, uh, possession, what's going on, etc. And I think that you know the way that the, the game's going, um, you know, training has to reflect that. Mm. I think when Alex King first came to to Saints, uh, I noticed a big difference there, and I think there was. Could see some of the stuff he was bringing back from Clermont, who you know at the time probably the best team in Europe. And I think that year at Saints we attacked. We were we won. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In the league and probably we're certainly the best team in the, in the country. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that was one of the, the major transitions and then and then when I've come up here to Newcastle Dave's attitude in terms of looking to exploit space play, playing the ball to space and that commitment to it against any team um, against any defence is um, you know how he how he gets that across in training is is, is quite is, is unique as well so I've enjoyed that as well oh, excellent so can you give any Welsh fans out there a little bit of an idea of what to expect from Alex King and what his philosophy is to rugby um, yeah I think I think King is um, about you know he likes to like, like most good attacking coaches wants to move the ball to space and whether that be space in the front line or, or in behind and tries to create um, work on players ability to read, read where that space is mm. Um yeah, so I think uh, you know I'm sure he'll do very well with Wales in in the Six Nations because that's one area that they probably um, are lacking a little bit is their is their attacking uh, attack and, and ability to move the ball to space. I think sometimes they become a bit predictable. Wales, I'm hoping King can you know have a good impact influence on that. Actually, yeah, you're probably one of the best placed people to say how Wales are going to play in the future you played under Gatlin you played under Edwards obviously you played under Kingy as you just mentioned then how do you think uh, Alex King's style is going to mesh with Gatland Edwards style and do you think much is going to change in Wales yeah I think well I think you'll see another I think that defensively they're always very strong and that's the influence of Sean there I think any team he coaches will always defend, be competitive defensively Mm-hmm. Or not, you're not competitive, but you know, look to dominate defensively. And then, I just like to see them move the ball a bit. bit. I think sometimes um, with international defences, I think you need to offer more questions to unlock defences, and uh, it takes more than just physicality to do that. I think so. I like maybe like to see some more subtlety in their game. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right there. A little bit more subtlety in the Welsh attack wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing. Um, now, unfortunately for you, throughout your career, you have suffered from injuries. Can you just give me a brief summary of your injury history, please? Uh, where do I start? So, <laughs> I mean, like the ma- the major ones I had is I did my Achilles on my left leg, and then uh, I tore all, all my hamstrings off the bone on my right leg, uh, how, uh, up on my bum. How, how did you do do your Achilles? So my Achilles, I just caught the ball behind me, and then went to go, and then it just snapped. I think. Um, yeah, <laughs> so that was a bit of a shock, and that was a, it was quite a bad snap, and it was it was a you know it was a tough challenge coming back from that, and um, coming back to to try and be the same athlete as I was before the injury was a real challenge, and you know it's debatable as to whether I ever became that athlete again, which is disappointing. But then my hamstring off the bone that was I was. Uh, 
um, jackling over a ball in training and then I think it was a really muddy pitch and then got my foot stuck and oh, no. twisted in a bad way. And next thing I just went, I felt my hamstrings go doof, doof, doof off my, um, off my, off my legs. <laughs> that must, that must have been horrific. Yeah, that was pretty awful. <laughs> that was pretty awful pain. Uh, um, <laughs> so they're probably my two biggest ones. And then along with that, I've had other bits and bobs, um, you know, standard stuff for rugby players, but they're my two most significant injuries, I'd say. Oh, that's really interesting. So do you think you were a significantly different player after you came back from your Achilles injury? I think so, yeah. I think so. I think certainly my game has changed since since I did my Achilles. Um, but, you know, I think you know most players have to adapt. Uh, as you get... Like, everyone gets injuries. It's not like I'm yeah. the only guy who's ever got an injury in rugby. <laughs> so... It's it's not like I'm a unique case. I just think I, I think it is true that I've had to change a bit, change my game a bit, um, following my Achilles and other injuries I've had. But I'm sure most most other players have got a similar story. So, what kind of player would you describe yourself as prior to the Achilles injury? I think my game was all about beating players. Then, yeah, for um, my Achilles and you know, beating players, making line breaks, scoring. Whereas now, I think um, in terms of like that's why I'm enjoying up here. I think I'm more, uh, you know, centre who distributes, moves the ball, um, and you know tries to put other, you know, obviously tries to be threat myself, but look look to put other people in space. Well, I have a theory that some players are too physically gifted to be bothered to learn much about rugby. So actually, an emphasis on putting other people into space may inadvertently have uh, extended your rugby career there. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, do you know when you are coming back from injury, do you ever have that feeling that maybe I won't be the same player again or maybe this is a step too far? No, I've always been, I've always been super positive when, I, when I've been coming back from long-term injuries. Um, I think maybe like, uh, when, my, when I first joined Irish, I got an infection in my Achilles, mm. which was like the, the surgeon had never ever seen anything quite like that before. Oh, really? I just thought to myself, maybe this is, you know, a sign. <laughs> um, and, and some points of that recovery were quite challenging because it was just so alien and so, so random. Um, and it was just at the, the worst possible time as well. But other than that, I think I've been really positive, always looked at, to you know, try to look to objectively at it, and and just you know, you you see yourself, your body is like a robot, and you're just gradually fixing it until yeah. you get to the point where you can play again. Uh, how did it get infected? Was that from surgery? Well, yeah, it's just from the procedure that, uh, in terms of to repair my Achilles, the sutures were left were left in there, oh, and then no. um, one of them got infected, which is it was six years post surgery, so. It's, Quite, you know, it's very, very, very unusual. Sorry, seen anything like that. Sorry, you had an infection six years after the surgery. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that is yeah. horrifically bad luck. Yeah, so <laughs> that's wow. quite unfortunate. But you know, that was seems a long time ago. That now, but um, you know, it's obviously it was a tough time, but you know, mm. got through it and. And now I'm up here, which is which is great. Well, it's great to see you've got a good run of health now, and I think that does directly reflect itself in Newcastle's run of results too. Yeah, I think you know we got we're 
you know, we're, we're playing some decent stuff at the moment. We just need to, to keep the ball rolling. And obviously, a huge challenge on the weekend against Saris um, mm. uh, away, which is, you know, probably the toughest fixture on the, on the whole list. Yeah, that's an interesting one, actually, because I always think about Newcastle that they've got this plastic pitch. It's almost like doing a deal with the devil because you have a huge advantage over everyone all season um, until Saracens come to town. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how I. So I, I've like as a as a whenever I've gone to play on the plastic pitches, I've I've always enjoyed playing on them as a player. So, yeah. uh, I guess I guess we have advantage in terms of the ability, you know, to play on it. Every you know, we train on it every day. But um, you know, Saracens are you know they're a formidable outfit. They really are, yeah. If you're playing in a cow field, they'd probably be pretty good anyway. So To be fair, they'd probably build their own replica cow field the week before the game. <laughs> it's a practice one, yeah. Uh, just tell me, um, you were part of the Irish team last year, which uh, unfortunately got relegated. How did you end up at Irish, and what was that season like? Uh, so, I, um, after three years at Saints, I had the opportunity to come back to London and to London Irish and be part of something to, to you know to grow something there mm. Bob, Bob had a great vision for the club and it was all quite exciting so I sort of jumped at the opportunity and then unfortunately you know like I just talked about my you know, I had the infection in my Achilles and then after I came back from that personally I never really featured after that which was really disappointing yeah uh, from a personal point of view and it was just tough I think we had, there was a lot of talent in that squad it just never really um it was never really realised on, on the on the pitch where it counts. So, you know, I think that's obviously why why the, why why we got relegated. Yeah, well, it was a it was a strange one because there was a load of talent in in that squad, uh, but I guess it just shows how competitive the Premiership is. I agree, I agree, and, and looking back ten years ago when I came into the league, it's you know it's just a completely different league now, and every, every week is is a ferocious challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got you got players on every team who, if you don't prepare right, will embarrass you. And it's yeah. you know it's a huge every every single week is it is a, is a cup final, um, and it's a real tough attritional quality competition. It's probably one it's one of it, why it is one of the greatest rugby competitions in the world. Yeah, well, I mean, just look at the Newcastle situation. You've got Nicky Gonover on one of your wings who can embarrass anyone at any time should he decide to do so. Yeah, I think he's absolutely brilliant, Nicky. He's one of the best players in the league, in my opinion. Yeah, I mentioned before, Juan Pablo Cicino might have more tries at inside centre than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's, you know, you just mentioned Nicky and, and Juan. You got Marcus there. Yeah. And Marcus Sonotti, Sonotti, Hammersley's injured now, and you got Tate. It's like, you know, there's a lot. There's a wealth of talent in that back line. Uh, you know, Joel Hodgson, a young ten coming through, and uh, Mike Delaney, ex All Black. He- Ah, now talking about talented players, when you were at London Irish, were you able to play with that, oh, what's the kid called, Joe something or other, you're going to have to help me out here. Oh, the winger, yeah, I, I trained with him a few times, uh, did I ever play, I don't think I played with him, but he's he's on fire at the moment, isn't he? Well, apparently, for those who watch Championship, they say he's doing absolutely great. Yeah, yeah, I heard he's, heard he's doing pretty well, <laughs> scoring lots of tries. Yeah, he scored a great try against Bedford in the Championship uh, a few weeks ago. Um, just going back to the Premiership a second, you're about to get into the Christmas period now, and I know teams like to you know break the season down into chunks. What are you expecting from this uh, Christmas run of games 
And are there any games in particular that you've discussed as a group that you're going to target? Um, not, we're not isolating, highlighting any specific games. You know, we've got two huge challenges in in Saracens and, mm-hmm. and Wasps. Um, but, you know, we want to consolidate our position in the table. And everyone's thinking, you know, it's, everyone's, I think, still saying that we're fluking it. But, we, you know, we want to consolidate that position and, yeah, and, uh, and then just build on on the on what we've you know done in the first half of the season. Yeah, that's a fairly tough run of games. To be fair, now I mentioned before that teams like to break the season into chunks. I also know that teams like to do goal setting at the start of the year. I appreciate you weren't there at the start of the year, but come the mid-season point, will Falcons be reappraising their goals and maybe upping their ambitions a bit for what is to be expected for the end of the season? I think I think the expectation within the group's always been high. Mm-hmm. It's just maybe from the outside that it's not been as high, and so we're you know we're whilst we're happy with where we are, we want to kick on now and and and, and keep moving up that ladder rather than rest on our laurels and and just drop straight back down because like you know you mentioned before, it's such a competitive league. You take your you know eye off the ball for one week and you're you know, you're, you're, you're tumbling down the table again. So, you know, we, we need to be on our money to try and hold where we are and, and push up if we can. Um, as a as a player then, um, what would you say is will be a successful season for Newcastle now? In terms of a finishing position? Yeah. Uh, I think where we are now, it would probably be a, uh, a successful end if we were to end there at the end of the season. Because um, like last few years, I think we've just been around the eleventh place. So I think a building on that is obviously successful. But we just want to we want to get as high up the ladder as we can. I actually agree with you. I think that looking at Newcastle, where they were last last few seasons, where quite frankly it's been a scrap to avoid relegation. If you guys finish where you are now, I think that will be a tremendous success. Yeah. No, I think I think that's um, that's a fair point. So, what is your travel schedule then for the Christmas games? Yeah, we travel we travel down to London tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Fly down tomorrow, and then um, I'm staying down for Christmas, and then we're back. We report back on the 27th. And how are you looking forward to your return to Wasps? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, uh, they're coming up here, so oh, of course they are. Yeah, stay down at Rico. Um, you know, a few months ago, which was which was great to go back and see some friendly spaces. You know, I really enjoyed that experience. Um, so it'd be nice to get to welcome the boys up here. But you know, it's obviously be a tough eighty minutes of rugby. That yeah, it's also nice to see that wasps are achieving the success, but they're doing so with lads that they've brought back from their last successful period. So it kind of all loops around nicely. Yeah, yeah, def- you know, definitely the the guys who have come back and also the they built. Uh, you know, from the from the young guys who who were around when it when it wasn't going so well, they they've all done hugely well. And, um, are integral in terms of building that that the, the team you see today. Well, Dom, thank you so much for coming on today. You've been a tremendous guest. Uh, what's your Twitter so people can get hold of you and see what you're up to? Uh, yeah, just at Dom Waldock. Uh, and that is um, and that's the Twitter account for all things rugby and and high fashion. Yeah. And uh, when I get angry that I... Yeah, I saw it actually. I mean, how on earth did you do that? Well, I got mixed up between the super off-peak and the off-peak and the 
God knows what peak. And uh, so I had to pay it. It cost me £270 to get up what? and down to Newcastle, which is absolute scandal, um, I think. But it is a scandal. But there we go. I don't know. what's what, Where am I to comment on train pricing? 270, yeah. I mean, you could have flown Concorde to Newcastle for I know, I could 270 quid. With that. And then, what was I? Oh, I found it. So I, I tweeted that, and then they sent me a time, t- they sent me the timetable, which I thought was quite obnoxious, was sending me the timetable for the super peak, super off peak and off peak train times. <laughs> yeah, using Twitter for complaints is actually one of its better uses, in fairness. Yeah, I know, definitely. They're very reactive to it. Uh, so, sorry, we can find you on Twitter at... At Don Warnock. Well, Don, best of luck with the rest of your season. You've had a superb impact on Newcastle so far, and long may it continue. Cheers, pal. I really appreciate that. Thank you. There he is. Mr. Dom Waldock. Uh, you might have noticed Dom had a cold, so he's an even better lad for doing it today, of all days, when he had so much on. So, again, huge, huge thanks, Dom, and hopefully we can get him on again soon. Uh, just after the Dom Waldock interview, I did another interview with Dan Leal, and that's going to come out next week. Trust me, this is one of the most fascinating, one of the most insightful men that I've interviewed to date. What he's doing with the RPA, I'm not going to go into it too much, but have a look at his Twitter profile. You'll probably work it out. Uh, it is a great interview. Dan is a tremendous, tremendous guy. So that will be coming out probably Wednesday next week, depending on when Egg Chasers is out because of bank holidays, so on and so forth. Remember, you can find me at Jay Beardmore, this podcast at The Rugby Dungeon. And if you've got some time, please leave us a review on iTunes. It's much, much appreciated. So until next week, when I'll see you with Dan Leo, look after yourself and let the boys play. <laughs>